everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Pardon me, I'm going to have just a little bit of espresso. You know I've had this espresso cup? I think I've had this thing for like 15 years. I love it. It has espresso on it. See it? Yeah. I did a series one time called Espresso Yourself. You remember that? Anybody remember that series? A few. But pardon me, I'm going to take just a little sip of espresso because I'm tired. Really tired. You guys tired? No? Okay. Well, I am. Mmm. It's not espresso, it's espresso. Did you know that? For years I said, I want some espresso. No? Espresso. Say it with me. Espresso, yeah. Mmm. Thanks. Speaking of coffee, the best coffee in the world is in Miami. It really is. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you why. Do you guys ever go to Four Bucks, Starbucks? I mean, I love Starbucks. But every time you're there, you're going to spend four or five bucks. In Miami, you go to walk-ups, it's like 50 cents. And 50 cents. And, and the, the coffee is like a dessert. It has this, this milk and the sugar, and they use um, Bustella or what's, what's the other coffee they use, Lisa? There, Bustella or Cafe Bustella, something else. Anyway, but it's it's good, and it just it's, a, it's oh it's ah woo yeah. Anyway, I don't want to start talking about coffee. Okay, now I feel good. Now I can feel the espresso pulsating through my veins. We're ready to talk. Okay, you ready? You ready to talk about something? We're gonna talk about something really unique today. How many people in here like to watch reality television? That's the rave these days, reality television. Anybody like Duck Dynasty? Real Housewives? Oh, you're lying to me. Honey Boo Boo? (laughs) We love reality stuff. The mantra of our day is, hey, let's keep it real. We like to keep it real. I've had the opportunity to do some reading about reality television. In fact, we have several staff members who've been a part of some of the major reality shows. And, and, and they've told me something, and I've learned that reality isn't that real. A lot of the stuff we see on television is contrived. It's smoke in mirrors. It's set up. I know that's a shocker. But reality isn't that real. Could it be that we, on one hand, say we like reality, but on the other, we're really hesitant to be truly real? Whenever you think about someone who kept it real and who keeps it real, I think one has to think about Jesus because Jesus talked about life in a real and raw fashion. One of the biggest perversions of modern Christianity is that the Lord can only be understood by his grace and mercy. We like to put these cool little sweet scripture verses on coffee mugs or over our kitchen sink, and God is love, and this is a place of grace, and, and, and all the warm and fuzzy scripture verses, but we don't like to put verses For example, like when Jesus said, many will say to me, 
when they die. Lord, Lord, I did this and I did that in your name. And I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. I've never seen that verse on a coffee mug or over someone's sink. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty tough, pretty hard saying of Jesus. So on one hand, yeah, we want to talk about the reality of grace and mercy, but we don't want to talk about the fact that God is a holy God, that he's a righteous God, and that he is a God that gives us a free will, and because we have a free will, there is a heaven, and because we have a free will, there is a hell. We love to talk about heaven. Heaven is an amazing place. I think one of the reasons that we don't know more about heaven is the fact that if we knew more about it, we'd be taking our lives to get there. That's how awesome it is. So we don't know everything about heaven. We know just enough. Then when it talks about hell, when the Bible talks about hell, we know just enough to scare the hell out of us because Jesus talked a lot about hell. And we don't really talk a lot about hell. We've streamlined heaven and air-conditioned hell. Hell is not really a popular subject. Yet we like to say it in our vocabulary, hell, yes. What in the hell are you thinking? Well, hell, I don't know. Rarely does someone say, what in the heaven are you doing? Heaven. We don't say that. Heaven, yes. No, we don't say that. It's all about hell. The Bible says something that is stunning, and when you think about it, it's so right. God has set eternity in our hearts. All of us have a longing for the for-after. Have you ever thought about that? For the ever-after. Read children's books. And they lived happily ever after. We're made for a happily ever after. Oh, I like a movie with a good ending, don't you? We're made for that. Why do we think about the other side? Why are we so infatuated with living forever and ever and ever? Because life, I believe, is like the first lap around the track. It's just the introduction of this book that lasts forever and ever and ever. And forever is a long, long time. So what we do on this side of the grave determines where we will spend eternity. Jesus, I'll say it again, talked a lot about heaven, but he even talked more about hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about prayer. I'm talking about Jesus. So I thought today we would do something kind of paradoxical. I thought we would spend some time, and I want to spend some time uploading some stuff from hell, learning from hell, maybe some lessons from hell, like a giant app session from hell. What can we learn from hell? Now, I know many of you are like, well, I don't even believe in hell. Well, it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. Jesus talked about it a lot. He said it's a real place. And we're going to talk about the reality of hell. Say that with me. The reality of hell. It's not just smoke and mirrors. It's not just a facade. It's not just some word that sounds ferocious. Jesus said, and the Bible says, it's a place. It is a place. And it's a place because we have a freedom of choice. 
I'll say it. God does not hurl anybody to hell. Whenever you hear someone say, well, I don't want to hear about a God who slams dunk, who slam dunks people to hell. When someone says that, they're advertising their ignorance. Hell, primarily, was not designed for humans. If you go to hell, you will go as an intruder. Hell was designed for the devil and the demons. I'll say it again. Hell was not designed for human habitation. Hell was designed for the devil and the demons. However, when we choose to sin, we're all natural born sinners, right? We understand that there was a war that went on back in the heavenlies. Lucifer, who is now Satan, tried to usurp God to kick God off the throne and take the throne. It didn't work. He was tossed out of heaven, went to earth. A third of the angels went with him. Some were thrown into hell. The others now are the realm of the demonic. The devil came in, tempted man. Man dropped the ball. Man sinned. We thus have this sin nature from Adam and Eve. Thus, we're separated and alienated from God because of our sin. No one taught you or me how to sin. We just know how to do it. Sin separates us from God. So one bad mood, one impure thought, one cross word, we're separated from God. God, though, did something. God sent Jesus Christ to live a sinless life, to die a sacrificial death, to rise again, thereby giving us the opportunity to put Jesus on the throne of our lives. I said this last week. It's like driving a car. You know, that has that seat memory, a lot of cars, you push buttons, and you get it just right, just for you. Well, if you try to sit in a seat that's not been just right for you, I mean, it's hard to even drive the car. That's what I'm like if I try to drive the car when Lisa has her seat memory just for her. I can't really drive it because she drives with a steering wheel like up here. Well, that's precisely what happens when you try to run the show when I try to run the show. We're not made to run the show. The throne is not designed for you or for me. It's designed for Jesus. We have these throne issues. And once we give Jesus the throne, the tissue of the issue is lordship, and then we discover what life is all about. That's what happens. The reason our planet is so screwed up, the reason everything is broken, government is broken, cars are broken, seats in cars are broken, families are broken, Marriages are broken. Everywhere you turn, nothing works. Nothing works. Why is that? Ultimately, sin. We chose to rebel against God. When I'm born, when you're born, we're born with a reservation in hell. Hmm. But here's the good news. Once we give the throne of our lives to Jesus, the reservation in hell is canceled And we have a reservation in heaven forever and ever. That'd be a great place to clap. That's that's cool. That's cool. So I don't 
I don't deserve what God did for me through Jesus. But I've got to look, I've got to take a hard look at hell. Well, here's what Jesus talked about. Jesus kind of lifted the veil over hell. And he said, okay, here is the 411 on hell. We need to understand, Luke chapter 16, he told the story Jesus did about hell. A rich guy, this guy was banking a high roller. Then another guy who had leprosy, his best friends were the dogs, this is kind of gross, he's talking about keeping it real, who licked the sores on this guy's body. So the, the poor guy, Lazarus, went to heaven, and the rich guy, the high roller, he went to hell. And Jesus talks about the conversation from heaven and hell, from hell to heaven, and talks about the reality of hell. But before we talk about the reality of hell, let me say this. We have to understand the context of this text because a verse, a text, out of context can become a pretext. Jesus had just told the story in Luke chapter 15 of three things that were lost, and once they were found, it was like, whoa, man, a party went on when those things that were lost were found. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. When they were found, party time. Party time. Jesus also was on his way to the cross when he told this story about heaven and hell. He was on his way to don the cross for your sins and mine to rise again, thereby giving us an opportunity, right, to give the throne of our lives to Jesus. So that's the context. See, here's the danger about taking Scripture verses out of context. I know the Bible pretty well. I've done my master's work, some doctrinal work, and I could give you some scriptures right now to tell everybody in this room, guess what? It's God's will for you to become a squillionaire. I said it. And you'd be like, whoa, I didn't know that. You mean God wants me to be rich? He sure does. I'll give you the scripture verses. Here's the problem. Those verses would be out of context. A text out of context is a pretext. That's not God's will for everybody to be rich. No. Obviously, God blesses some people financially. We know that. It's not a sin to be rich. But for everybody to be rich, are you kidding me? But sometimes you look around like, man, I like that. That guy's telling me, that girl's telling me that I can be rich. And, 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 and wow, I'm going I'm to go for that. It's out of context. I could also do this. I could say, It's God's purpose for everyone here to be healed. If you're not healed, you are swimming against the current of what God wants you to do and where God wants you to be. Everybody should be healed. And I'll give you these verses, and and man, everybody should be healed. And if, if you're not healed, I'm telling you, something's messed up in your life. You need your miracle. Sounds good. You'll sell some books, pack out some stadiums, but it's out of context. It's not God's will for everyone to be healed. Think about the Apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh. Three times he prayed, God, heal me, heal me, heal me. Didn't happen. Everybody dies. (laughs) I just checked the stats before I walked out. One out of one die. If it was God's will for everyone to be healed, we'd we'd never die. What? 
Oh, I could do something else. I go, okay, I'll take some text out of context. Everybody should sell everything they have and go to the mission field. Jesus didn't have much, and he told the rich young ruler to sell everything, and it's, it's God's plan for you, my friend, to go to the mission field. If you're not, you're being disobedient to God. There are books out there that are very popular, idealistic. Problem. Text out of context to pretext. When did Jesus ever ask someone to sell everything? One time. The rich young ruler. One time. He met all these people, never asked them to do it. Where in the Bible does it say that everybody should go into the mission field? It doesn't. Our mission field is right where we live. Now, he challenges some people to go to the mission field, but I always want to say, why should I fly over one mission field to get to another one? Anyway, let me get back to the story. That, I don't want to be too convicting here. So, Jesus talked about heaven and hell. That's why we're here, right? Heaven and hell. Told the story about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man, he had everything going. He was a high roller. He, 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 was a, he was like a righteous, cool guy, knew just enough religion to be dangerous, like a lot of people in our culture today who have just enough Christianity not to catch the real disease. He kind of knew the verbiage, kind of knew the scriptures a little bit, but never really did anything about it. Lazarus, on the other hand, had a relationship with God. So Jesus tells the story, Lazarus dies first and quickly, in a nanosecond. He's in heaven, right by Father Abraham. And by the way, speaking of riches, Father Abraham, if he lived today, would be a multi-billionaire. He is one of the fathers of the faith. He's with Abraham, and then obviously he didn't get this high roller's attention that Lazarus died. So the high roller dies, he goes to hell. So he's in hell in torment, and he discovers the reality of hell. Death is the great equalizer, isn't it? Everyone dies. When we die, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. So now let's pick up this conversation between heaven and hell. Luke chapter 16, verse 23. Again, let's talk about the reality of hell. Hell is a real place. Well, how do you know? Let's check it out. Here's what Jesus said. In hell, that's where the high roller is, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Once again, the context, Jesus is going to his death. He's talking about death. He's talking about eternity. He saw he saw Lazarus, this man of faith, who was poor on planet Earth. Now, of course, he's in heaven. He saw him from hell, a vision. Isn't it interesting? We can, we can get vision. We can learn vision from people in hell. That's just something I can upload, the reality of hell. The people in hell here can see the people in heaven. Can you imagine your spouse being in heaven, and you're in hell? Can you imagine seeing that? Can you imagine seeing your kids in heaven, yet you in hell are seeing them forever and ever and ever? Can you imagine seeing people that you know in your life 
who are in heaven, yet you have chosen hell because hell is a choice. God doesn't force anyone there. It's God's plan for all of us to go to heaven. But when he made you and me, he made us with the freedom of choice, right? Love, true love, is all about choice. So he made a place, hell, where he is not. And hell is a place, Jesus said, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth is a forever feeling of regret and remorse. People in hell have vision. Do you have vision? Do you have vision for eternity? Because you've never locked eyes with someone who's not going to live forever. And this rich man saw his entire life before his eyes. He saw every opportunity he had to make a faith decision, yet he tabled it. He stiff-armed it. We have thousands upon thousands of people who are at Fellowship Church right now at our many different campuses. And statistics would show, and I don't say this to scare you, statistics would show that some of you will spend eternity in hell. In hell, there's no Alzheimer's. In hell, there's no dementia. In hell, you will remember every word that I've uttered today because I'm going to give you an opportunity to become a follower of Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a little while to give the throne of your life to Jesus. But I know some of you will not make the decision. I know it. I don't like to say it, but I know it. And as you go to hell, you will go as an intruder, but you will remember the words of this sermon better than I can remember them. You will remember every time someone tried to share the good news of Jesus with you. You will remember every time someone maybe handed you a pamphlet or pointed you to to maybe a Bible study or whatever. You remember when you said, no, no, I will keep God at a distance. And basically, at the end of your life, we get a greater measure of what we desired on planet Earth. If you kept God at distance, you stiff-armed him, you did the Heisman with God on Earth, you'll get a greater measure of that in eternity. It's a place called hell. Well, I don't mind going to hell because I can party with my friends in hell. Hey, even if your friends are there, you won't know it. It's a place of isolation, loneliness, Darkness. Hell is a place you can do anything and everything you've always wanted to do alone. Alone. Real people go to hell. It was one of Christ's main subjects that he talked about, the reality of hell. So not only did this man see his life before his eyes, he also saw people people that he was close to in heaven. Can you imagine that feeling? Hell is a place of choice. But the reality of hell, that's something we can upload. That should motivate every believer here. Hell is real. I mean, this is real. Another thing that we can upload, the agony of it. The discomfort of it. It's funny when you go to a doctor, when a doctor ever says, this will be a little bit uncomfortable. You know what that means? Ah! You'll have to just grit your teeth for a little bit. That means it's going to be so intense, you, you might faint. Well, 
the agony of hell. So he called to him, Father Abraham, this is from hell to heaven now, have pity on me, it's all about me, send Lazarus, oh Lazarus, leprosy ridden Lazarus, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony, there's the word again, in this fire. I don't know everything about this, but obviously we'll have these spiritual bodies that will have senses, I mean, there you have a finger and a tongue and Wow. What can we learn from this? There's agony. There's discomfort. Hell is uncomfortable. What can we learn from this? As a believer, we should be uncomfortable. We should always live as a follower of Christ with a low level of discomfort. We want to be comforted by Christ, but uncomfortable for him. We want Fellowship Church to be comfortably uncomfortable. Comfortable for those who were seeking, who were kicking tires and testing the waters. Uncomfortable for those of us who were followers of Christ. Why should we be uncomfortable? Because we realize hell is real and it's agony. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth. It's like, this is kind of a weak example, but you're playing golf. You're on the 18th green. And if you sink the putt, you win. I pushed it to the right. That's gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth. Oh, I know, man. I, I think, I, think I, I got all of, those, all of those answers right on the exam. You get the exam back. What? I missed four? My new... Gnashing of teeth. Well, that's just a little gnashing of teeth. It's the forever feeling that you had an opportunity to know Christ, to to give him the throne of your life, but you didn't do it. There's weeping in hell. When was the last time, I'm talking to followers of Christ, that you shed tears over your neighbor? That you shed tears over family members? That you shed tears over people here that show up each and every week who are facing hell? When was the last time? Hell is a place that has tears. Hell is a place of prayer. This guy's praying. Sometimes I think it's so important for those of us who are followers of Christ to pray. But pray in a unique way. Pray for every person you see. Now and then just take a day and pray for every person you see, every person you pass, every person you lock eyes with, the person at the club, the person in the workout room, the person in the coffee shop, the person who's walking down the street of your neighborhood, the person in your apartment complex. Just a couple days ago, I was doing this exercise and I was outside having lunch and and, and I saw this this couple, they just cruised past me and they were pushing a baby stroller. And the baby just kind of looked up at me. And I thought, I'm gonna pray for him. Lord, I pray when he's old enough that he becomes a follower of you. What would happen? As you're walking into school tomorrow, you just prayed for everyone you saw, the teacher, the principal, the coach, your friends, that bully. What would happen? What would happen? You're driving down the freeway. You see people on billboards or, or people on everybody you see. Prayer. Because the stakes are sky high. We're talking about eternity here. 
Heaven or hell? And at Fellowship Church, we want to populate heaven and depopulate hell. That's what we're about. Jesus said, when he began his ministry, he talked about what? Reaching people. Right before he ascended, after his death, burial, and resurrection, what did he say? Reach people. That's why we're here. Not to sin, but to bring as many people as possible to a faith in Jesus Christ. The agony of hell. It's real. It's horrendous. Also, the concern of hell. The concern. There's a concern in hell. What does the rich guy do now? He's like, all right, send Lazarus back, Abraham, from the dead. Send it back from heaven and let him warn my five brothers who, who are, not, are not really righteous. They don't really follow the Lord. Uh, at least he can warn them. Oh, now he's becoming an evangelist. A hell of an evangelist. Theologically speaking. Biblically speaking. And I hope this message scares the hell out of some of you. I really do. It should. It should. And you should respond with a heavenly choice. And that's a little while though. Luke 16, 27, 28. I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. He can warn them so, so they will not come to this place of torment. What do you think? People in hell are thinking about you and me, and especially those here who aren't followers of Christ. What do you think the people in hell are thinking about of those here who are still sitting on the throne of their lives trying to drive this thing? What do you think they're thinking? What do you think they're praying? What do you think their attitude is about eternity? Yeah, but I've got some doubt. They're like, oh, you're going to let a little bit of doubt? Yeah, but I, I took this biology course, and this professor seemed to be really smart. You think they're worried about that? Well, I'm just not sure. What do you think they're thinking? What are they praying? I'll tell you, they're praying for you to make this choice. Like those of us who are believers are praying for you. We're in the same boat. But many here have made the decision to give the throne of their lives to Jesus. My reservations in that hellacious hotel were canceled years ago. I have reservations now in heaven. Many people here do. How about you? I beg you, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. Man, now, oh, he's, he's, he's really really into reaching out. You know, at Fellowship, we're into reaching out. We really are. I sometimes wonder, you know, I've been doing this now for a couple of decades. It's amazing. It's something you're called to. I call church work. Brutiful. There is a beautiful side to it. I have courtside seats, a backstage pass to life change like no one. It's awesome. You have to be called to it, to do. I'm just talking about me, what I do. Also, it is brutal. Absolutely brutal. 
the disappointment, the betrayal, the spiritual warfare, the attack. There's nothing like it. Talk to anybody who's a pastor. And if they open up, they'll tell you that. So I think, man, what do I do what I do? I could be doing something else. I have to spend 20 hours a week just studying for these messages. You know, it costs millions and millions and millions of dollars just for technology. Millions. I don't even want to know how much it costs. But these cameras, the air conditioning, the parking, you ever thought about that? The security we have, police, our camp at Lasso, a thousand acres in East Texas, $40 million we spent. That's a lot of money. Wow. New campus in London? You think that just happened? We just bought a church in Keller South Lake for about $5 million. We didn't have the money. It's not paid for yet. How about this new campus we're opening in University Park? What do you think it costs to rent that theater? I think they just go, okay, here, here you go. Go ahead. Buying a building in downtown Dallas, Plano, Fort Worth. You think this just happens? Man, why do I do this? There's a lot of stuff I could do. I could. I mean, I've written 14 books. I could travel around and just write books and probably get a good bit of money just for speaking. I could do that. Why am I doing this, man? Is there a hell? Wait a minute. Did you hear me? Is there a hell? Why don't we write children's curriculum? Why don't we build websites to market the curriculum around the world? Is there a hell? Is there a hell? Why do we have a Lasso Ranch? Why do we have a camp? Why do we step out on faith and build something that's not even paid for yet? Is there a hell? Why do I do what I do? Why do I preach sermons? Why do I pray? Why do I step back and go, God, it's too hard. I'm not perfect. Who am I to stand up and speak? Is there a hell? I said, is there a hell? 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 If there is, let's go for it. Let's leverage our time like we've never leveraged it before. Let's leverage our abilities. You see, here's what's so jacked up about some of you. you got all these abilities. You're going to waste your life and bust hell wide open. You know why? You're going to sit there on your blessed ass assurance, and you're going to try to run your life and do your life your way. You're going to try to use your gifts just for you, just like the rich man did, and you're going to bust hell wide open. ACDC said it. Brilliant song. A theological song. You're on the highway to hell. It's a real catchy song, isn't it? Highway to hell. That's what Satan does. It's not rough. It's not four-wheeling. 
Highway to hell? No, it's just put it on cruise control, man. But many of you will never discover the gifts that you have naturally in a supernatural way because you're never going to put Jesus on the throne. How about your resources? You'll never know why you have money, ever, until you put Jesus on the throne of your resources. Never. I don't care how much money you have. Whatever it is. And here's our problem. See, we, we worry about, oh, how much do you make? How much, do you, how, how much are you worth? Forget that. That's not the right question. The question is, how much do you give? But really, you're not giving. You're just releasing it back to God. You'll never understand money. Never. It's not going to happen. I don't care who you're talking to, accountants, money managers, blah, blah, blah. You'll never understand until Jesus sits on the throne. And then you'll go, Okay, I mean, who gave you the ability to make money? You think you, <laughs> you think you're that smart? <laughs> and for that matter, God's going to do what He wants to do over the next ten, twenty years at Fellowship Church. He's going to bless some of you with so much stuff. And the reason is, it's not for you; it's to build this church. Unbelievable what can happen. See, it's, 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 it's the concern of hell. We can learn from hell. Hell, yes, we can. But there's another aspect that I want you to see, just very, very briefly. Look at the, the growth of hell. Hell's growing. I have a friend of mine that regularly looks at the obituary column. And he told me that. I'm like, man, that's weird. What are you doing looking at the, that's morbid. Want to do that? You know, he goes, I do it regularly as a discipline. He said, because I ask myself, A, as a Christian, have I done all I can to keep that person out of hell? And secondly, I ask myself, has our church done all it can do to keep those people out of hell? The growth of hell. Hell is growing. Luke chapter 13, verse 24, make every effort, Jesus said this, to enter through the narrow gate because many, say it with me, scary saying, man. Let's, let's talk about grace and mercy. Let's talk about forgiveness. Well, my God wouldn't hurl people down. My God, hey, hey you know, we have this uncanny ability to modernize and politically correct God. God is God. And again, he's a God of grace, don't get me wrong, a God of mercy, something we don't deserve, but also he's a God who gives us a choice. And with the choice, we choose either to love him or not. And if we say no to hell, we go. Luke 13, 25, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you'll stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. Have you ever bought something and had buyer's remorse? <laughs> Yo, I have. 
Well, in hell, a lot of people will have invitation remorse. You'll see all of those opportunities you had to give the throne of your life to Christ, but didn't do it. Hell is reality seen too late. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to keep it real. This is not reality television. Are you going to heaven? Or are you going to hell? It's your choice. Heaven, hell is a place of choice. But I mean, seriously, do you know that your reservations in hell have been canceled? And because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and because you've given him the throne of your life, do you know you have reservations in heaven? Because what's so funny about this story is a rich man wanted Lazarus to come back from the grave and, and warn his brothers because this rich man thought, man, if a guy comes back from the grave and warns somebody, oh, they're definitely going to get it right. Well, here Jesus, a little bit later, he dies, he rises again, and people still reject him. So this rich man had everything he needed to have to make the decision. And he said no. He had the law. He had the prophets. He, had, he said no. So is it going to be yes or no for you? I mean, I don't like saying this. I don't get into this. But I've got to because it's the total package of Scripture. It's the full counsel of God. But let's talk about reality. Three things, three things you can do to secure heaven, to give the throne of your life to Jesus. Three things, A, B, C. Say it with me, A, B, C. A, admit what God already knows, that you're a sinner, that you've messed up. You've said things you regret, you've thought things that you're ashamed of, and, and, and you've sinned. God's perfect, you're not, you've fallen short, so have I. A, admit it. B, believe. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not 100%. Well, you're never going to be 100% because if you're 100%, there's no faith. That's certainty. And it's all about faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith. I mean, you've tried everything else. You mean you're not going to try this? But see, right now, the devil's coming in, and he's, oh, he's planting all these doubts, and, oh, you took that course, or you saw that special on the Discovery Channel, or you read one book, or, oh, you heard this atheist lecture, and, really? I mean, you're not going to roll the dice for Jesus? Obviously, the other stuff ain't working. Look at our screwed up world. I mean, that stuff ain't working. So you mean you're not going to try this? Jesus said if you have the faith of a mustard seed, a tiny little seed, that's all you need. You had faith just to walk in and plant your blessed assurance in one of these seats here, or one of our many campuses. How'd you know the seat was going to hold you up? By faith, man. You're driving home in traffic? 
cars flying by, 50 miles an hour, four or five feet away from you, going the opposite direction. By faith. I mean, you're telling me, oh, I don't have faith. What? It's a lot of faith there. Believe. I admit to you, God, I've messed up. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and rise again and see, I commit my life to you. Jesus, you take the seat. I understand, and it's made for you, not me. Oh, it's, it's cruising now, man. Yeah, it's going to be tough. We're going to have some difficult times, but look who I've got driving it. I've got the one who designed it, who made it, and man, we are going crazy. ABC. ABC. Admit. Believe. And commit. I want every person to bow their head with me. Every person in all of our environments. No one moving or stirring. This is a holy time. A special time. This is a time where we're talking about eternity. And it's really hard to even wrap our little pea brains around it. But I'm telling you this, I know this forever is a long, long time, and forever starts right here. Because I believe many of you, many of you, if you were to die today, would face a Christless eternity. You've been distancing yourself from God, and God will simply say at the end of your life, you know what, you kept your distance on planet Earth, You'll have distance for eternity. See, because of our freedom of choice, we have an option. And I pray, I beg you to pray a prayer that I prayed years ago, a prayer that many here have prayed, ABC prayer. Just say it. Just say it. I'm going to pray it, and you say it after me. Even if you've said it before, you say it. Do you need to say it again? Nope. It just takes one time. But you'll get people around you who've never said it just some courage to articulate these words. Just say this prayer with me. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. To the best of my ability, I believe Jesus that you died on the cross for my sins and on the third day rose again and right now I commit my life to you I've moved myself off of the throne and put you Jesus on the throne of my life I give you everything I am and everything I'll ever become. Thank you for canceling my reservations in hell and giving me reservations in heaven, a place where I belong. Show me your amazing journey for the rest of this life and forever.
listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.